Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode two of Cult Babes. I'm Cher Martinetti. And I'm Gwenda Bond. I really like you in your glasses. Oh, thank you. You kind of, <laughs> I'm getting like a Lisa Loeb with blue hair vibe from you right now. This is really, um, this is really unfair to everyone who can't see me wearing my dorky three years out of prescription glasses because I'm out of contacts and haven't had time to go to the eye doctor. <laughs> but for everybody who can't see that, you look like Lisa Loeb with blue hair. Except, you know, like much less approachable. <laughs> <laughs> We don't know that. Lisa Loeb could be a total bitch. And we have no she idea. seems very approachable, though. She seems very approachable. Does she? That could just be like the thing that she did for like her career, like to seem approachable. And maybe she's really not. All those flower patterns. That's what yes. I remember her in. Exactly. Everybody wore flower Maybe patterns. she's obsessed with cults. Maybe she's listening to this podcast. Oh, my God. If she is, <laughs> call us. Um, I so wish what's going I, on? I would have I would have sung one of her songs, but I can't remember. What she words. sings "Stay." I still don't remember what it goes like. <gasps> how do you not remember how "Stay" goes? It goes. Um, <laughs> oh <my> God, <laughs> Go should on. I embarrass myself yes. and like sing? Oh you my God, it's gonna to. be not good. Wait, let me drink some more first. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> so it's mm. Friday. We're recording on Friday night. We're both it's having happy a beverage. Hour. We're having a beverage. Because it's happy hour, technically. Right. Mine's in a Johnny Cash tumbler, and it is volcanic uh, soil wine from Greece. It's very fancy. Ooh, that sounds very fancy. Mm-hmm. You're making fun of me. That actually sounds fancier than what I'm drinking. It's one of my favorite wines <laughs> because it makes me feel like I'm paying tribute to a volcano goddess or something whenever we oh, get it. That'd yeah. be actually pretty rad. Is there a volcano goddess? Pele. Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> I am drinking spiked seltzer. Also very fancy. Well, it's like, this is like white girl malt, malt liquor. That's what I feel like. It's like adult white girl malt liquor. Is it the Zima of now? I think it actually is the Zima of now, now that you say it. Because <laughs> right when I said that, I was like, this is kind of Zima. I was literally, it's got like a little mermaid. And this this flavor is called Indian River Grapefruit. And she's like spiking a piece of grapefruit with her scepter. And I don't think that's what mermaids do. Like, I don't think mermaids have scepters, but this one does. And now I'm like concocting a whole little like no science fiction story about they, that. They can have a they can have a trident. There's no they reason. Like a trident. That's it. Oh my god. You know. I also have like no tolerance. I so actually don't I really. Might... I actually don't really like mermaids. That's a, I, it's a secret truth that I just feel I don't like care about mermaids. I feel like their stories are often revolve around men, which is a problem. I mean, there are a few that I like, um, but overall, I have a big problem with the the mer genre of fur- furniture that doesn't. It's like furniture exactly like what you'd have on the surface. Like mm-hmm. that, what is that shit all nailed down? It's like you're in a. It's like you're in a prison setting. Is it yeah. either all nailed down or it's so heavy that it doesn't float around everywhere? Like, I just have so many questions and the logic just doesn't hold up. For yeah, me. but now that you're saying that, that's making me question like Aquaman's whole like under the sea, like house thing in yeah. Super Friends. Not yeah. so much. I don't care about the Justice League movie because I never saw it. I'm talking about Super Friends because it's the only Justice League I recognize. <laughs> Super <laughs> Friends, the Hanna-Barbera. So, Yeah. But anyway, that's what I'm drinking. <laughs> Wait, and the best part is how it says beer at the very bottom of this. But this looks nothing like a beer. This it literally doesn't. looks like it's it looks for, like if Lacroix like got like leveled up. 
it might be the it might be the official drink of something like a crown coven i mean it it can be it's pretty good (laughs) it's very refreshing it's very refreshing um what was happening now what was i gonna do we were gonna talk about our week um you were gonna talk about our week you got new yeah. tattoo. It was the longest week ever. We both agree. And I think everyone out there also agrees. Everything's so crazy right now. Yeah. Like, I, it literally feels like it's never not crazy. Like, I think, like, the default setting is just everything is so crazy. Yes. <laughs> I have nothing <laughs> to just... add. I mean, you, you kind of nailed it there. I mean, it really does feel like every day a new slap in the face of some kind. But how do you, like, I was thinking about this the other day, because I was working on something for work, and it was literally right after the announcement came that um, Justice Kennedy was going to retire, and I just thought about what all those consequences are, and I wasn't on Twitter a whole bunch that day, but I was more than I have been in the past couple of weeks, and I... I have to not be. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah, I, I need I to take breaks all, from social we're, media. We're all feeling that. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah. but I had this moment where I was like, this doesn't matter. Like what I'm doing right now doesn't matter. And I feel like oh. nothing else matters besides like all the really big stuff that's happening right now because it's very, it has such an effect, obviously, in all of our lives, especially us being women. Like it has effect on our lives. And it's like, how do you find, because I was thinking about this, I'm like, well, but I have to do this, like, this is my job. So it's like, how do you find, how do you feel that you find ways to, like, keep it moving, so to speak? I actually tend to retreat into work, um, and deadlines help a lot, but also just getting outside and, and stepping away, because I think it's really easy to get lost in this despair echo chamber, that yeah. we're all in and the not thinking about this stuff every minute of every day, as long as you are doing something like some kind of action, like sending an email or calling your rep or going to a protest like the one day a week you can like I actually schedule my political call time. Um, and then I try and I, I started doing that right after um, the inauguration because I felt like otherwise I would constantly want to go to every single thing that's organized or do every single thing. And we can't do that and live our lives. And it's really important that we all continue to do our lives and our work because that's what they want to stop. Um, But also that we continue to fight and tune in. So like for me, it's just kind of trying to make a space where I know I'm being deliberate and tuned in, but not trying to follow everything. And on a week like this, I backslide like crazy and I end up taking two hour stress naps in the afternoon and really? getting behind on everything. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's definitely a correlation. I don't feel more informed. Um, I just feel more stressed out. So, yeah, that's the thing I was noticing, too. Like I so I a while ago, this was years ago, I found this app called. Um, oh, my God. Self-control. That's what it's called. <laughs> I have trouble remembering that, too. No, there's... Re- yeah, but no, there's... <laughs> that's why. It's like, what's what's that word? What's that term? <laughs> what's that thing I'm supposed I don't know to what do? That means. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's this app called Self-Control. I found it years ago, and I had a really good stretch of using it, and then I haven't been using it as much lately. But essentially what it is, is it's an app that you can blacklist certain sites, 
and you set a timer and you cannot undo that timer as long as that until that timer is done it doesn't matter if you restart your computer nothing's turning that timer off you can't get on those sites so a couple of weeks ago, I, was, I wanted to also find something for my phone because I noticed that I'm worse with checking Twitter and social media when I'm doing it from my phone, when I'm quote unquote bored or mm-hmm. at night when I'm supposed to be sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's when I'm doing it. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying social media is all awful. There there have been a lot of positives, even to my career Absolutely. from Twitter. Um, but I do believe that for myself, I have ADHD. I was diagnosed with it when I was 30. And it's kind of rare for adult women to be diagnosed with ADHD because usually if you have know, it as a I know girl, so, you grow I know, out of it. I feel like half my friends fall into this category. Like it's yeah. very rare among a certain type of high achieving anxious lady. And you're my people. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, I was diagnosed with it when I was 30 because normally girls outgrow it or so they used to think right right but i think i've been reading more up and it's it then just, i read studies that it, they actually didn't test girls as much as they tested right. boys for it and, so it, pre- I think and it presents differently it presents completely differently so i because i have adhd i'm somebody that like i need a schedule and i mm. need a structure yeah. without it i have the type of adhd that then it's like i get bored I'm someone that gets bored very easily because if something is not challenging enough for me or if I don't have something to focus on, then it's I just don't focus on anything and it sucks. So and then I get I can also get hyper focused. That's a whole other thing. So anyway, I was looking for something because I was using I was going on to social media too much for my phone. So I decided I'm going to delete my Instagram and Twitter apps from my phone And I'll only let them be on my phone on certain occasions. So if I'm doing something for work, like let's say if I have to go away for work, I'll have, I'll put the the apps back on my phone or, you know, like once in a while, like right now they're on my phone. I'm actually going to delete them soon (laughs) because I don't want them on my phone over the weekend. But then I was trying to find an app that would block your iPhone use of those sites. And I couldn't find an app that blocks apps, but I did find an app that will block if you try to go to those sites from mobile on your iPhone. And then that that app also has a desktop version. So that's called Freedom, but that oh, you have yeah. to pay for. Christopher yeah. uses that for writing. Yeah, so I have Freedom, which you do have to pay for to be able to use it on both your phone and your computer. But I also have self, Self-Control, which is free, and I love Self-Control. So I made myself only be allowed to access social media for like a little bit of time each day. And it was good for like a couple, like two weeks. And then the past couple of days, I've not been great with it. And I've been on social media more than I want to be. And I'm noticing that like instantly, you know, when I wasn't on social media, I was able to fall asleep at night a lot better. Like I was falling asleep at like a much better time. I was getting up early in the morning before my alarm even went off. And then I, the past couple of nights, I haven't blocked my social media at night. And instead of like reading a book and going to sleep, I'm checking my social media. I'm waking up in the middle of the night. And for some reason, I'm just checking my social media. And it's like three o'clock in the morning. Well, I mean, to bring us back to our topic of cults, like there is this sort of, I feel like there is almost this thing that we've all been conditioned into right the cult of hyper awareness that we all have to know everything that's happening 
And, you know, some of my best moments are, frankly, coming out of a movie theater and being like, what if I check my alerts and Trump's been impeached or, you know, whatever, you know, like it's that one hopeful moment. And I do think that it is impossible to keep up with everything. Um, I think we forget that Twitter now thinks of itself as a news site, not as social networking, which is the part that most of us enjoy about it. Um, And that is, I will say something, too, like we both work in media and in the publishing industries and being first of all, if you work in entertainment, media, publishing, there's a lot of crossover with those three industries. And for our industries, we do have to be on social media for our careers. It's just you have to at this point, like you can't be new to the game as a writer or as an entertainment journalist or sometimes even as as an actor and not have a social media presence at this day and age. I mean, there are people that get away with it, but it's, it's very much the exception, but I have actually on, I only use social platforms that I enjoy. And so Instagram, if I'm feeling stressed out by Twitter, I just go to way more to Instagram, which is sort of like the happy fun place where people post images and stories. And I post videos of my cute pets. Yeah. Um, you know, so, but Twitter and Facebook is very much. Oh, it is. It's required. I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's required, but I feel like part of my anxiety from that is tied into not so much because I don't fall for things easily. So the whole fake news thing. Yeah. I've never fell for that. But Facebook and Twitter, it's. <sighs> I used to say Twitter is reminds me of the drunk homeless person with mental health issues that's screaming from the subway platform like that's what i felt like twitter was a lot of the time because it's like everyone is just screaming yeah it like, used to be each other i remember when twitter was uh, a cocktail party that was always going on and that is yeah, still my favorite been twitter. That, that is still my favorite twitter you could occasionally yeah. find little brief glimpses of it um but it's become so I, want to, I think infested is the right thing to say with this extreme with fake news and the, extreme beliefs. Yeah. And, and it seeing, really does all come back to like sort of these cult like tribes that people put themselves in. And, you know, like somebody last night was lecturing me on Twitter. A very well-meaning person who I did not disagree with um, was like lecturing me about civil disobedience because I was lamenting the fact that all those protesters on immigration had you know to get arrested which i'm very grateful to them for but which you know has legitimate consequences and our government shouldn't just be doing to people that show up to protest at the capitol was my point and you know like if you're a 24 year old it's absolutely worth it but you also may have trouble renting an apartment in five years yeah i mean and this person was lecturing me and I'm like, I don't understand why you're yelling at me. I know why throw what wrote Walden like, <laughs> like Twitter yeah. and, you know, have to mute them. And that's just not like it, I don't f- find it super helpful when people argue with people who one thing are are like totally in agreement with them. And it's something that happens all the time, but also people who search and just show up to argue I mean, it very is like it very much is like cult like behavior. Like I must advance the positions of my my group. Yeah. And I think it also relates a lot to what you're going to actually bring up. because yeah. This is not the first time that we have had this type of cr- widespread mass hysteria. Yeah. That was 
completely false and was the epitome of fake news. And because of it had severe ramifications for other demographics and um, disenfranchised and underrepresented groups. Absolutely. So this week's cult, should we get to it? Yeah, let's get to it. This week's cult was a cult that didn't exist, but that captured the popular imagination, uh, mostly in America, although it did spread around the world in the 1980s. And if you haven't guessed what I'm talking about yet, because you weren't born then or you were just being born, um, you sweet summer children, just being born, maybe not born. Who knows? Or you were too young and you're playing with your Fisher Price people. Yes, which this is what was I was the, doing. This was the, well, I, I mean, me too. This was the satanic panic, which I have very, um, very, I thought I had a pretty good handle on because I was, even though I was a kid, because um, I was born in 76, I'm an old, um, I was born in 76. Uh, I do remember little bits and pieces of this, um, some of which we'll hit on, but I had no idea the vastness of it. Um And so I think one thing that I wanted to just set the tone for this. So you basically have kind of, you can look back now, right? Hindsight is 2020. And I'm sure we'll be doing this. And some people already are for our modern day hysterias. Um, But you can look back at the late sixties and seventies and kind of see the groundwork being laid for this. You know, there were all these sort of urban legends and mythic patterns that already floated around Um, I found this quote in the New York Times in 1970, Halloween, that is basically the origin of the people put razor blades in candy. Wait, hold on a second. So that wasn't like a real... It says... I remember when I was little going trick-or-treating, and that was every year you heard about two things. Make sure there's no razor blades, because people are sticking razor blades in candy, and somebody's driving around in a white van to kidnap kids. And I never in my life saw either of those things happening or knew anyone who even knew someone who knew someone that experienced anything with those two things. There is very little evidence that there were people putting razor blades in candy, even though the New York Times ran this quote, that plump red apple that Junior gets from the kindly old lady down the block may have a razor blade hidden inside. Like That's another thing, too. I always remember, like, you never were supposed to take fruit from people. For that reason. And so, I mean, if anything, probably this urban legend kind of myth may have inspired a couple people to do it, but it was not a widespread thing. It hardly ever happens. Uh, And the thing is, once it runs in something like the New York Times, everyone picks it up and runs with it. So this is a theme that we're going to return to again and again and again. And we see today, right? It's very difficult once a piece of misinformation gets out there, especially something that seems true, right? Like, I totally believe that every van is filled with serial killers or clowns or serial killing clowns. I totally believe the ice cream guy is a drug dealer in my neighborhood. I mean, Um, well, listen, that one... It's like why that are you, one why are you has a little truth to it. That one's got a little oh, truth to it. Why, sometimes, why, not always. Why are you out in the winter, dude? Or a murderer? Yeah, why are you showing up to give ice cream at like <laughs> ten o'clock at night? I want That's ice not, cream at ten o'clock at night. That's exactly. Yeah, but they're like geared no, towards little kids. It's true. It's true. It's true. Um, so you have that, and you have these these drug dealers on middle school playgrounds, right, with Mickey Mouse shaped acid. Um, kidnapped children that supposedly were like taken from malls and never seen again. 
Um, so and- I just have to like pause you for one second. Was that really a thing that kid, they said that? I mean, obviously, kids the- get abducted, and there were some real legitimate cases of of child abductions. Um, but but is that where the whole like? But they used to say that people were on the playground. So it's really interesting that you say that because <laughs> when I was in my twenties and I was into clubbing in New York City, I'm not gonna lie, there was some recreational really substance I'm use. Shocked, shocked. But they the the pills like the ecstasy pills would be stamped and sometimes the stamps were like mickey mouse like that was a type of well sure and i mean i do think all this stuff references right i mean probably the reality was that people who were selling this stuff to adults and college kids were making cutesy patterns uh, in their ass in their lsd in the 60s and 70s right because that's just makes sense and then somebody extends that to they're handing it out at playgrounds, which was not a widespread problem. So basically, especially where kids are involved, I think people are very susceptible to believing, um, to just believing, because we, I mean, this sort of is the, we're conditioned, right, to believe. I mean, it's really interesting, actually, because if you think about, like, for most of history, nobody really gave a shit about kids, unless they were really wealthy Um, You know, I mean, just think about it. Like we just like child welfare wasn't really a priority for very many people for a long time. And so, you know, you basically then have society gets sort of course corrects almost over the top. Right. Like and and now kids, you know, helicopter parenting is a thing and kids you know, we lament like kids can't go ride around their bikes and and that sort of thing. And I do actually wonder whether it does all go back to this period and whether the world is really so dangerous that kids couldn't do that or adults just believe it's that dangerous. Like, I don't know. I don't have kids. I wouldn't let my dogs roam around the neighborhood, but that's because that's different. That's because they don't have a they don't have the self-control thing. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) And they would get lost. I've seen the IG stories of your dogs. Oh, yeah. Especially if there's especially if if there's horses around. Oh, yes. Um, Even horse statues they go crazy for. So so you basically have all these sorts of stories. Um, And actually, uh, I read this book, Satan Silence, by this woman named Debbie Nathan, who's on all the if you watch documentaries where this comes up, she's pretty much going to be on there as the voice of reason um, who uncovered a lot of this stuff back in the day. And she mentioned the devil worshippers in white vans abducting blue eyed, blonde haired children creating a million phone calls from the region of eastern Kentucky that I grew up in at some point during the eighties. And I very much remember that. I think that memory of that rumor going around, was definitely one of the reasons why I've always been interested in this topic. Um, but, you know, again, it's like, and then that morphs into the strangers in white vans that you were talking about. I mean, it's like, That's so crazy. I mean, we think about, we think about these earlier times, pre-social media, that things didn't spread, but the truth is we spread them very virally. Like, yeah, the word we've always been, we've always been as a species, a host for memes. We've always <laughs> for, been for really me- shitty stuff. Really yeah. good at spreading memes. And yeah, so you basically have like, so Anton LaVey founds the actual church of Satan, which is the first time there's any body that is associated with that name. Although we'll talk a little bit more about this later. You know, they don't actually believe in Satan. They very much don't believe in Satan as a real being, but that happens in 1966. Rosemary's baby comes out in 1968 and you have this fear of cults that just 
kind of surges during the 60s and 70s. I mean, we talked about this a little bit with the Source family, but you have the Manson murders and Jonestown later at the end of the decade that basically make everybody on high alert for anything that seems like cult-like. And you also had, around the mid-70s, these stories about satanic livestock killings, which these also I remember popping up randomly over the years, um, where animals are supposedly drained of blood and have their sex organs removed on farms and ranches. What the the fuck, man? (laughs) I know. So it turns out there was an inmate at the Leavenworth Federal Pen who was being interviewed by an ATF guy. And he told this ATF agent that these killings were being committed by a supremacist cult that used animal genitals uh, for orgies and black masses and who were going to kill famous politicians like Ted Kennedy. And uh, the fact that he know that it's just that Ted Kennedy is the one that commits manslaughter. <laughs> oh! oh, too soon. No, not too no. soon. Never too soon. He did. He did. He did. He did. Okay, go on. <laughs> um, but so the feds launched a whole investigation into this based on this one guy's story, which turned out to be a lie. But it didn't matter by then um, because America was ready for a psychological meltdown. Um, and so, I mean, it's just, it's really interesting how quickly and easily this stuff spread. And I think it's easy for us to look back and be like, ha ha, satanic panic. This is ridiculous. Um, But so the core belief of this was that people were convinced that children were being ritually sexually abused by Satanists. Little did they know that that only happens in the Roman Catholic Church. Oh, Again, you're really on point. You're really on point today. Wait, but I thought I could say that because, like, I'm I used to be Catholic. <laughs> you can't. You can totally okay. say it. All right, just check it. Um, so there was this book that two Canadians wrote. Thanks, Canada. Um, <laughs> called Michelle Remembers by Michelle Smith and Lawrence Pazder. It's a scare quotes memoir. Uh, by this woman and her psychiatrist who, spoiler alert, she married at some point. There's which, just That's just a slight conflict of interest. Right there. Is that like against the Hippocratic Oath, though? Do they have that in Canada? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just I, I don't kidding. Know. I'm sure they do. do. They? Their healthcare system is way better than ours, so I don't think yeah. we can. But was it then? Do. I'm sure it was. <laughs> I feel like... Do no harm is like the Canadian national like yeah, motto. Ethos. We love you, Canada. Um, it's like sorry, sorry. However, do no harm, eh? <laughs> however, <laughs> two of your people did do harm. They wrote this book um, where she supposedly had been remembered. She recovered memories from when she was five and had been abducted um, or or sold. It's 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 kind of fishy into the satanic cult that obviously never existed. There's tons of <laughs> questions. Um, you know, like no one could ever find any evidence to back up this up. Her parent, her mom was like, no, this never happened. Um, but at any rate, it's Wait, n- so her own mother was like, bitch, this never happened. You're lying. Yeah. So okay. this is 1980 and there's a people magazine feature that runs when the, when the thing comes out, when the book comes out. And basically, they're in a session together, this woman and her therapist. And she... Slash husband. Slash husband, although I don't know if they were married at this time. 
And she lays down on her couch and starts in, on the couch in, I guess, the room um, and starts saying the creepiest fucking stuff you can ever imagine a five-year-old in a five-year-old baby voice. Like, it's all black. It's all black. This and, sounds like... Uh, He's hurting me all over. And, you know, talking about horns and babies being murdered in this baby voice, um, animals being mutilated, Satan himself showing up, and later the Virgin Mary and Jesus to remove the physical signs that she'd been abused. Convenient. Um, The original cover for this book is epic. It's this shocked little girl in the middle of a circle of candles with a devil's head over her. If you go to the Wikipedia page, it's, it's... it's awesome. Yeah, I saw these covers. There's like they're a couple all different great. colors. They're all great. One of them kind of reminds me of that. What is it? Flowers in the Attic? Is that the one? Absolutely. It is one very... of them has a Flowers in the Attic vibe. I think it's because it has like a door that opens in her forehead. Yes. Classic yeah. 80s covers. Uh, and in case you think this was a niche thing, she got a $100,000 advance for this book. Okay. Time out. For the hardcover Hold rights. on. Wait. And the... What do you mean the hardcover? For the hardcover, at that time, hardcover and paperback rights were sold separately a lot of times. She got a $100,000 hardcover advance and 200000 for the paperback. What? Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Whoa, whoa wait a second. <laughs> That's a lot of money for an advance now. Yeah. Well, that is one thing. <laughs> Publishing likes to keep it old school. But yeah, it's a huge advance for the day. And it sold a ton of copies. It was a mega bestseller. And most people see this book as basically the beginning of the satanic scare. Although it certainly didn't come out of nowhere. It did sort of touch Thanks a lot, off. Canada. <laughs> and so um, basically she claimed, they originally claimed she was abused by the Church of Satan. Like this was a Church of Satan group. But then Anton LaVey threatened to sue them for libel. And they took that part away. But it didn't really matter, right? Um there were, I mean, basically, there's no evidence any of this happened, but it's also something that you can't prove didn't happen, right? She seems swell. Yeah. So this guy, then this shrink, is a expert on satanic ritual abuse after this, of course. Um, so then in 1983, there's this preschool that's owned by the McMartin family in California, and... Through this random confluence of uh, events, a mom says her kid is a mom who turned out to be disturbed, although I'm a little uncomfortable with the discrediting of her because she had a mental illness. Um, Mm -hmm. But if you read like coverage from the time, like that is very much something that comes up like later on, she got institutionalized, I think. But so she claimed went to the police and claimed that her son had memories of being sexually abused And had seen, like, sort of these ritual types of abuse. Um, And so, basically, this was Manhattan Beach, California. They couldn't find any evidence that this had happened. So, the cops send home a letter to every parent at this preschool asking in great detail for any reports of ask your kids if they've ever experienced, you know, X, Y, and Z or seen anything like this happening. Uh, These are super young kids, obviously. It's a preschool. So all of a sudden, this number of people making charges that they've been ritually abused, these kids, rises to 60, eventually becomes like 350 from the McMartin School alone, 
which is almost every kid at the school, and then up to 1,200 in this community, many claiming that they had seen flesh and blood sacrifices take place in front of them and been victim to ritual abuse. And I mean, it's a shock. I mean, it's shocking, right? Because those are huge numbers. And of course, people wanted to believe the kids. And again, this goes back to like, when did we start worrying about sex abuse in kids? Not that long before this, historically speaking. And so we sort of like, you know, of course, people don't want to believe that it's family members, friends, you know, people who are close by that sexually abuse kids. So instead, we are going to you know, kind of plant this idea that sexual uh, ritual abuse is going on and and in a way sort of make it seem as if this isn't something that happens to kids on way too regular a basis, right? Yeah. So there was... So um, so we now have a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did all these kids end up saying that this happened to them? Well, that is funny you should ask because there there was this... um, there was this child abuse prevention center, which is still around today, known as Children's Institute International. Uh-huh. And they basically helped with questioning the children. Okay. Uh, they used suggestive questioning techniques. Okay. Sorry. I had to mute a call from the DCCC, which I cannot make. Stop calling me. Oh, my God. I mean, I gave you 40. They're, they're becoming a cult. I'm they a, don't stop. I'm a writer, guys. I gave you $40 once when I was drunk and sad and, like, stop calling me 10 times a day while I'm podcasting. I- okay. <laughs> so the kids were... the. I'm not saying that these were people who were motivated by anything bad. I suspect that these investigators at this center really felt like they were uncovering the truth. But in reality, if you read the transcripts of like these questioning sessions, they just kept repeating questions in a way that these kids would eventually change their answers or maybe that memories got created. I don't understand like how, like how messed up is that, that that was even allowed to happen? Because these are not, these were not like official investigators, right? These were f- no. on behalf of that foundation. But you can sort of see like how it's all very well-meaning because this was not something that probably most police departments were equipped to handle. You know, the child psychology was in its infancy, obviously. Um, and so you you basically have, they want to bring in people who are good at working with kids, right? And so they use puppets in these interrogations, right? Because there's this idea that, Stuffed animals make it easier for the kids to mm-hmm. talk to. Um, but at any rate, this spreads like crazy. This sounds like the worst SUV, SVU episode ever. <laughs> well, so, I mean, here's the thing. I watched this one documentary where this FBI investigator says he thought all this was true at first because it, it starts here at this daycare center. And then these allegations as the media covers this and it becomes a frenzy and you have like 350 kids, right? And you got criminal proceedings starting. Um, it starts being reported all over the country. And so he was like, I assumed it was true because it was like, there were so many allegations, but there was, but then he, at some point he realized like, you know, a year or two in, there's no physical evidence. Like, there's no cat and dog and baby carcasses laying around. There's no blood or fluids in any of the locations where they supposedly take place. Um, there's no real physical evidence on the kids. Although you did have, again, like, everything in its infancy, like, 
actual and anatomical features being misinterpreted or interpreted mm-hmm. as signs of abuse that really we wouldn't think were today. So basically these six people from McMartin go McMartin herself who owned this and six other people go to trial for 300 counts of child molestation. Didn't she like show up wearing like a suit of like stuffed animals <laughs> she or something? Did. It's this beautiful purple suit that you can see in a, the New York times did a little feature ad on That's this her, case. Listen, that was her real crime. Was uh, that suit? It no, wasn't that abusing is, kids. That, it was decapitating a bunch of stuffed animals and sewing their heads on the fucking suit. It was an epic trial lawyer statement that I'm sure she was advised to wear this stuffed rabbits all over this suit. And it is in I fact wonder if amazing. That's, <laughs> that suit should be somewhere in the Smithsonian. It really should. It really should. Because so, that is fashion. So this went on, by the way, this this case went on for years and years. Uh, everyone was eventually acquitted, but obviously lives were ruined. Um, and lots of, I mean, at Children's Institute, all these people basically admit that things were not handled as they should have been, right? And it actually led yeah. to like much better circumstances and stuff. But it was one of the longest and most expensive criminal trials in U.S. history. That's insane. I can't even imagine because they were like what she was probably like in her late 50s, early 60s when this trial started. Right. Yeah. And what happened now to all these people that brought these charges against them? Were they able to get sued for defamation or? Oh, no. Anything? And, I, and honestly, like the sympathy was very much with them and still is. Um, I watched this with two- the people that sued them or with the family that was sued. The fan, I think still with the families of the kids. Um, because they all believed that their kids had been richly abused, or at least a core of them did. Uh, a mm. core of them that appeared on a Geraldo special about Satan oh, worship. Fucking Geraldo. <laughs> Sitting in a candlelit room on the floor uh, where they were like, justice has not been done. And um, I mean, they clearly really believed this. So, I mean, it's just, it's a tragic situation. Um, and just... So that's the thing, like, I understand the one woman was had was mentally disturbed and she needed medical attention and she needed help but what's the what was the reasoning behind the rest of these families like that's what i don't understand i don't understand believing something so if you truly believe something horrible happened to your child and then ruining someone else's life and their reputation and their livelihood and then not facing any repercussions based on your beliefs like whether or not your beliefs are founded is one thing yeah but to go out and destroy someone else's life like if they felt justice wasn't served like why didn't they put their kids into therapy and find out why their kids were saying these things or or for themselves to go into therapy and figure out why they thought these things it's a perfect storm of i mean honestly the real answer for that is that most therapists, a lot of law enforcement and uh, prosecutors, people in the judicial system, people at daycares and schools, people in communities all across the country believed legitimately that this was a real epidemic. And until that went away in the early 90s, because of people like Debbie Nathan that were like, this isn't really real, right? And And it turned out that 
what happened is what always happens, right? Like these beliefs were used that there were Satanists infiltrating daycares and schools, especially daycares, to corrupt young children, ritually sexually abuse them, and basically like turn them into satanic sleeper agents when they were adults. Like this satanic sleeper agents. Basically, seriously. I mean, it, it, <laughs> no, I know you're serious. And, That's then you, just like- and then you think about all the people that believe in Pizzagate. Like, I mean, it's really not that different. Um, but this was much more mainstream. I mean, which is really the shocking thing about it. Um, and I mean, people, I mean, if you want to cherry pick evidence and look at murders and be like, this seems satanic, like Geraldo did a bunch of those, right? You can- First of all, there's never, ever, and I just want to put this as a <laughs> disclaimer, let this be my public service announcement for the day. If ever something happens in your life, don't ever fucking go on Geraldo. Yeah. Like, that's a surefire sign Please. that whatever it is you think happened did not happen because the worst thing that in your life that's going to happen is the fact that you want to fucking Geraldo to talk about it. It's true. Um, and and uh, to get and Geraldo, of course, did not have on any of the people whose lives were ruined by this who were who were queer people. Like, there's that great documentary, Southwest of Salem, about the San Antonio Four. Um, there was a pediatrician that invoked this ritual sexual abuse in that case. Um, so it's that's like one of the last sort of big cases involving this. But you had lots of queer people, lots of ethnic minority um, daycare workers who this was basically used to out as the other. Right. Like, well, you must be a ritual abuser. And they either went to jail or lost their jobs or got smeared in their communities. So, I mean, it's it's terrible. But, you know, like, Geraldo doesn't have any of those people on. He has the kids, and he has a murderer on death row who basically starts talking about how it's complicated. And he's like, shut up, kid, and tell me about Satan. And Ozzy Osbourne, who is the voice of reason, and can I just say, if Ozzy Osbourne is the voice of reason, that tells you everything you need to know. (laughs) Fucking Ozzy. Poor Ozzy (laughs) accidentally bites the head off a bat once and has had to deal with that literally for, like, decades. Right. Right. And like, there's a thing like, you know, that whole like biting the head off the bat thing was like an accident. He didn't mean to do that. <laughs> so wait, a lot of people wait. don't know this. He did okay. bite the hat, bite the head off a of dove, though, at, before this. And that's how this ended up happening. And I don't remember the circumstances of why he bit the head off a dove. Was, I don't really think I'm there's gonna, any circumstances drugs, that makes that <laughs> drugs. Yeah. I'm going to go. No, with drugs. he wasn't. No, he wasn't. No. I think it was something happened like he was trying to scare or shock like uh, an A&R exec or something like that. <laughs> oh, God. It was like, th- listen, let's put let's. There's no circumstances where the logical next step is to bite the head off a dove. You it know, doesn't even matter if you're on drugs. This does it re- doesn't matter. I actually, it just doesn't happen. If it's for an A&R executive, I have so many questions. Like, do you have a magician who has a dove that's particularly, you know, like, I don't well even know handled? how, like, how do you get a dove? Yeah, it's like, how did you even get a dove to begin with? But this stuff, okay, so Ozzy with the bat. Let Ozzy me just with tell the this. bat. Tell the story, because this is epic. So these kids, he was playing a concert, I believe it was in the States. I want to say it was in the middle States somewhere. And you know, you mean where I am. (laughs) Yeah. I am a coastal elite. So it's what I would refer to as a flyover state. Yeah. Well, we're all, we'd all be flipping you the bird as you fly over. That's all right. (laughs) We kid. uh, We kid because we love. (laughs) So he was playing a concert and this kid had had a bat and the bat ended up dying. 
And I don't, I think that like him and his friends caught a bat <laughs> and he kept it in this like box and the bat ended up dying because oh, like, man. you know, rabies alert, bat, bat care is a real thing. <laughs> right. And then for some reason he knew he was going to this concert and he's like, I'm going to bring this. And they're like, throw the bat on stage at, at Ozzy. And he threw the bat on stage and Ozzy picked it up. And I don't even know why he, even if that was a fake bat, like, why would you do that? I, yeah, and he ended up question. biting the head off the bat, not knowing it was a real bat. So, of course, at the time, like, you know, the doctor backstage, they had to, like, test him for because you could get very, oh, very, very oh, sick and I die know. from that. As a former public health girl, I can tell you all about it. It's very dangerous <laughs> in so many ways. Don't eat. Don't. Yes, because. Don't mess with bats. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This does actually remind me the A&R element of this this is a total yeah. side note but i think it's worthwhile when i got Go my first job outside of college was for our governor at the time i went mm-hmm. and was an intern in the for the press secretary and like the first week i was there we had this one great general who ran our environmental protection cabinet and a protester came to his office with a bucket of like um like chicken parts to protest like the conditions in chicken factories and dump them on his desk. That's disgusting. <laughs> but amazing, right? And general, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, general Bickford was just like, okay, like, you know, I take your point. Like he, he handled it much better than I would. Frankly. <laughs> anyway. Oh my God. I would lose my shit if somebody did that to me. <laughs> so side note, <laughs> I lose my shit if somebody puts their feet up on like, my furniture with their shoes. I would on, have to so. leave the office, have it burned down, and never come yeah, back. Yeah, I'd, I'd burn it down. I'd burn it down. <laughs> I mean, that I, sounds like something Azalea Banks would do. To somebody I saw a mouse because in our, it was like a day ending in Y. I saw a mouse in our kitchen once, and I didn't go in there for like a week and a half, and we got a cat immediately there. <laughs> oh okay, so so okay, go ahead. all right. So basically, we've covered the the meat of this. Um, and we could talk about actual Satanism if you want to. I know we've spent a lot of time. But it's just, yeah. Oh, we should so probably like, do a whole. Ep- we should probably do a whole episode. We should do a whole episode we on should. Satanism because Satanism is actually. I never yeah. really knew what Satanism was, and then I found out years ago that it's kind of just atheism. Yeah, that's really what it is. It's, it's hedon- kind of just it's, atheist- he- it's hedonistic. It's hedonistic atheism. Right. It's atheists. It's like an atheism club for people that want to belong to something and to like an order because mostly for the most part, like I, I guess you could say I'm atheist. I'm agnostic. It's the same thing. I don't believe that there is a God or gods um, like up above, but I don't want to belong to a club. (laughs) Like I don't need to go meet with other people and like, and I think that's kind of what satanism is i think satanism is like a club for atheists that want to belong to something and they still want that community of a church without actually having to worship a god so satanists do not believe they don't even believe that satan is a real being right because to believe in a satanist or to believe in satan as a being then you have you're obviously believing in something so they don't even believe that Satan exists. If people believe that Satan exists and they worship Satan, then they are devil worshipers. They are not Satanists. Right. But Satanists are actually like super liberal and like kind of just think everyone should do their own thing and not like yeah. fuck each other over. But they're they're also a little 
Anne Randis ish oh, in yeah. their beliefs. The sel- there's a selfishness there. There's a little bit, yeah. I saw say that like there may be like they're a club for selfish atheists. We should definitely do an episode on them because yeah, Anton LaVey should. alone, like I was like delving into his bio. I mean, he's a character oh, and a half. He is. And like, basically you look at his bio and everything in his backstory is fiction. It's all made up. Um, so like, I feel like the church of Satan is actually a lot more legitimate now than it probably was back then in terms of yeah. like being a force for, they actually are kind of a force for good in the world now. They, they really are. I mean, they're like <laughs> Satanists are fighting to keep abortion legal. And like there's, you know, there was just this article in Bust Magazine, which you could totally talk about when we decide to talk more yeah. about Satanists, about the satanic feminists who are fighting for social justice. Which is awesome. And they have a great Twitter account. <laughs> they do. The Church of Satan has a great Twitter account. They're up there with Miriam Webster. <laughs> But this, no, so the the Church of Satan is not the same as the Satanic Temple, right? Right, and nor the Temple of because Set. There's like a whole. There's like all these little. Yeah, there's different sorts of. There's different organizations that believe slightly different things, but they're all pretty. Okay, much- because the Satanic Temple. Is that the one is that's very fighting? vocal? Yeah, the Satanic Temple. Like I think, yeah, they're very vocal against like the right, and I think the Satanic Temple. Well, no, they don't worship the devil either. Yeah, they have similar beliefs. It's just like a different power structure. Right. So they are a non-theistic, non-superstitious organization that prioritizes critical thinking and science. But by calling themselves a religion, they get the same type of protective, you know. Right. Yeah. Which is so which is very smart. Yeah, we should definitely (laughs) do it. We should definitely do a whole episode on. Wait, here's a, here's my favorite thing with the satanic. So I, I'm pretty sure the satanic temple has also been the one that's been fighting against a lot of, there's a lot of Christian iconology in our country. I mean, it's sure. literally on our money. Yeah. It's, on, you know, in God we trust. We're not, we shouldn't even have that on anything. Um, but there are a lot of religious and Christian statues. Hello, puppy dog. <laughs> Rocco just came in. <laughs> Um, so the satanic temple has actually been fighting to get a lot of those removed in any type of, uh, government buildings or local buildings. Cause they're not, they shouldn't be there and they're not supposed to be, yeah. um, cause it's showing priority to one religion yeah, over we've had big, others. big fights over the 10 commandments here with the ACLU, yeah. local ACLU so, chapter. Yep. Yeah. So there's the, the satanic temple raised $30,000 to construct a seven foot tall statue of the quote unquote satanic goat Baphomet in 2014, meant to be displayed beside a Ten Commandments monument erected at Oklahoma State House. So they didn't they didn't get the approval for it to stay in Oklahoma, but the temple still made their point about separation of church and state and the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments mon- monument was removed. Like, I love that because I always, like, as I am very progressive, liberal, I do not shy away from that. And one of the things that always drives me crazy is when ever someone brings up their how, oh, abortion shouldn't be legal. Oh, everyone's going to run and get abortions, which goes to show how stupid you are. Like, people are not running out to get an abortion just because they're illegal. But also, 
the entire belief behind making abortion legal is stemmed on Christian beliefs in the Bible. So it shouldn't even be not, a law. But not really. I mean, it's really... Do, I mean, it's sort but of... But that's a, where it stemmed from. It, it, the whole thing about making, making abortion illegal. It claims. It, there's a claim. I mean, I think there. it's just like anything, right? That the Bible is used to support... Like people are cherry picking and then they of course, misinterpret the science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But that's, yeah, that's just, exactly. It doesn't like, yeah, technically Take whatever. Take what you like and leave the rest. Right. And like technically the Bible's a work of fiction. But their belief in that not being, in that being an illegal thing comes from and is rooted in Christianity and in religion. Mom, just like mom, their belief. You don't need to email me. My immortal soul is sorry. fine. Sorry. You can, you can. Uh, sorry, Gwenda's mom. <laughs> you can, um, you can. But no, it's the same thing with like with anyone that you know these anti-gay laws that people try. You know, absolutely. when people don't want to bake a cake, then they they claim, well, because my religious beliefs. But laws are not supposed to be based on your religious beliefs. Agreed. That is the main founding of our country and belief of our country. Yet we are so hypocritical in that every single day. Yep. So I love that that the Satanic Temple plays into this fear of Satan and pokes fun at it right by doing these crazy yeah. things like building a $30,000 seven foot tall statue of Baphomet <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing that's amazing it is amazing all right yeah all right so, so the, that's my little no that's great and I definitely think we should do more because there's a lot that we just don't have time to get into like about yeah. all of the Church of Satan personalities and their, but they were basically like the front line against this sort of satanic panic. They were, even though they weren't involved in it, um, you know, they had to go out and do the PR circuit to right. say it wasn't you know real. My favorite thing is that Lutherans believed that feminism and feminism was aligned with. <laughs> Hold on, what? the Lutheran Church believes that feminists, those of all, any alternative sexuality or lifestyle, scientists, and free thinkers are under Satan's influence. Uh, there was someone who, I would just say, like, I don't have... That's amazing. I should have memorized these, but I did not. But someone was, quote, we watched a documentary about uh, Martin Luther once, which I'm oh, assuming ties in. But, like, his insult game was off the hook he would just like i mean he just wrote like these crazy insults of everyone at his time like it is worth he was such a dick like just i mean it is seriously like worth going looking some of these up all right i have one last part because i wanted is this my favorite part i what it is i wanted to end on a i wanted to end on a lighter note um like the if there was a bright side um of the well, here's something I also do remember, panic. like, so with the satanic panic, <laughs> yeah. my oldest brother is a big metalhead. Yeah. And I remember almost every, because he li- listened to heavy metal, everyone thought that he was like into Satan. Obviously. Because heavy metal was considered like Satan music. Right. And I think a lot of that was, I remember when, uh, when Motley Crue released Shout at the Devil and the actual album was black with a pentagram on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... And some stores wouldn't sell it because I mean, of the album cover. It's kind of amazing marketing when you think about it. I remember... Okay, this goes to show how weird my school was. This is in the middle of nowhere, Eastern Kentucky. 
I remember a gifted and talented meeting in the library when I was in like third or fourth grade where we were allowed to backward mask a Judas Priest record. I believe it was a Judas Priest record, either Judas Priest or Ozzy, one of those that had a backward mask thing at the beginning. And we listened to the backward masking and there was a backward mask thing. Like, I think some of these guys like leaned into this because it was effective marketing, right? I mean, it sold records. But so yeah. the other thing that sold uh, stuff was the Dungeons and Dragons portion of the Satanic Panic. Um, so basically, D&D was viewed as this gateway to devil worship, demonism, conjuring evil. Um, I mean, it was peak the children, the children. And... Uh, so just like the adults decided that all these Satanists were infiltrating daycares to ritually abuse kids, they decided to link murder and suicide to playing Dungeons and Dragons. Because, of course. So it had only been around since like 1974 and millions of players. We all remember that scene in AET. Like, but so this kid goes missing who's 16. His name is James Dallas Egbert III. He, okay. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Go on. He had gone, um, he had gone to college at the age of 16 to the University of Michigan and he disappeared and his, I would just like to say, yes, if that was my name. You disappear too. Yeah. Cause I would just change my name and like not tell my parents. <laughs> well, Cause fuck you for naming me that. Go on. You know, I mean, well, his dad was James Del Segbert Jr. So, like, I guess he was like, it worked out okay for me. I'm going to go with it. Um, so they hired this Texas private investigator named Bill Deere. And this is in 1979. Um, so this is right at the beginning of all this, like when Michelle Remembers was coming out. Uh, he left behind a suicide note um, and a corkboard with thumbtacks that the detective decided to read into um basically this detective decided that because this kid i guess had been known to play dungeon dragons and people at the university had played dungeon dragons that they were i think he fundamentally misunderstood the nature of dungeon dragons and thought that mm-hmm. they were playing in the storm tunnels under the and sewers under the campus and so this kid had been playing dungeon dragons down there and maybe gotten lost or something Mm-hmm. It turned out he had just gone into hiding in New Orleans. Eventually, he contacts Deer, and he had tried to commit suicide. He made another suicide attempt in New Orleans. I mean, it's a tragic story. He eventually succeeds. Um, but so this private investigator basically never really gives up on the idea that there was a Dungeons Dragons connection. He writes a book about it. Rona Jaffe writes a book inspired by this case, which was all over the press. Um, and about playing D&D in the storm tunnels of a university called Mazes and Monsters. And my husband was 12 when the Tom Hanks-led movie of Mazes and Monsters uh, came out, and he read an article about it in TV Guide, and that's why he got into D&D. He was like, this sounds amazing. So, like, he was not the only one. Like, basically, there were all these articles, like, Dungeon Dragons, the company that produced it, hired Joyce Brothers to go out at one point on the talk show circuit to reassure people that it was just a game for creative youngsters and not, like, 
uh, a manual for Satan worship. There was a, there was a, a cartoon that was actually wonderful. I remember the cartoon. It was wonderful. I mean, it was weird. It looked, wasn't it like a Disney cartoon? Uh, maybe so, but it was really Wait, weird. I feel like it was. It's, I feel like I have to Google that right now. It was really good. And Dungeons. and they like there were this these groups like it was an early Giants. example I guess of people lobbying TV to like put a warning label and say like this you know is tied to something. It was Marvel Productions there. and TSR. Awesome. But this was long before Marvel was on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, kind of amazing. That I mean, so this is so this it only gets one season. Had a unicorn. It was awesome. The Eye of the Beholder episode. I still remember a little bit from when I was a kid. Um, luckily, my parents did not care and let us watch this. Uh, but basically, here's the funny part of this. Presto the Magician. Sorry. No, no, no. I know. These, uh, I mean, it became Uni, a cultural Uni the meme. Unicorn. Uni the Unicorn. It became a cultural meme. I bet you can find every episode And it wasn't YouTube. just a unicorn. It was a baby unicorn. Of course it was. Oh, amazing. Um, Go on. No, no, no. So basically, like, the all of this attention... Like Dungeon Dragon sales went crazy. They sold like quadruple what they did before this panic started. And so the bright side is everyone, although probably the dark side is some people thought that Dungeon Dragons was going to be way cooler than it turned out to be. Even if you like Dungeons and Dragons, like because you're just sitting at a table, you're not going down into storm tunnels. As I say, I've never played Dungeons and Dragons. I really feel like we've got to. Christopher will DM. My husband wrote a book, a Dungeons and Dragons book. Um, based on one of my Dungeons and Dragons characters, which I have not only played a handful of times, but all of mine are based on old Hollywood starlets, and this one is bit Mar- was Mary Pickford based, um, and rode a giant dog because she was very small, um, and had escaped from the circus because you know I love circus. <laughs> so basically, you know I didn't realize <laughs> that Uni the Unicorn, or is it Uni? I'm gonna say I don't uni, know so Uni better. <laughs> Did you know that it possessed the ability to teleport once a day, which is something all unicorns are able to do in the Dungeons and Dragons universe? I did not know that. Isn't that just even more adorable? I want the ability to teleport once a day. I want, oh my God, I really want to play Dungeons and Dragons now because my character (laughs) would have the power to turn into a unicorn. I think that'd be great. I I also have a Barbara Stanwyck elf wizard. (laughs) (laughs) That's my other D and D character, <laughs> and uh, a fox, uh, a fox swashbuckler in Pathfinder. I don't get to play a lot because I'm not good at following rules. <laughs> I'm sure you're shocked to hear that. Yeah, uh, but don't Dungeons and Dungeons and Dragons have pretty laxed rules? Oh no! Oh no! Oh, it has like rules. Oh, it is all about the rules. Okay, we are gonna have to play Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> okay. together. Definitely, okay, definitely, definitely. Um, no, it's all about, it's all about the rules. Like, oh yes. Oh yes. And about, and about shopping. Like all, most epic fantasy based games, they're really just about accumulating loot so you can buy things. <laughs> oh, well then I'll be great at that game. I mean, I think There's you shopping? will. I'm, I didn't know that Dungeons and Dragons had shopping. Oh, it's basically I am all about getting amazing treasure. at shopping. It's basically all oh. about getting treasure so you can buy new, better boots and clothes. Oh my god, I'm so good at that. <laughs> All right. So that is basically the satanic panic, which filtered out as people realized, like, oh, this is crazy. Like, what are we thinking? 
We are ruining lives and there are no Satanists to be found. Um, I mean, there are, but that's not what Satanists are. Yeah. Well, and also there, but even if it was, even if it was a mislabeling, there was no cult of evildoers hurting people, right? Like, especially not kids. Um, I mean, it's just a fascinating case of how widely our culture can spread something that with zero, you know, kind of to base it on other than just someone's claims. Like it really is a, it's a case in point of how um, really harmful beliefs can go viral super quickly and that it's very difficult to put on the brakes. And, you know, the media plays into this too. I love you journalists. Um, But there is, um, you know, definitely when you look back on the satanic panic, I hope a lot of lessons there for reporters in terms of reporting. But you know things. what, though? I don't even I mean, yes, but I blame Geraldo fucking Rivera. <laughs> well, I mean, but because it's no coincidence that he's in the middle, somehow related and tied into this whole thing. And also that now he is tied into. Fox. Well, obviously, he's terrible. I'm just person. saying there's, you know, he's no terrible person, but he's an awful it person. is definitely true that. Media attention on the McMartin case, especially, um, yeah, really just was, and and on the dun- and on the Egbert disappearance, um, you know, these things become like the kernel of truth, right? Yeah, and then it's very difficult to stop, put the brakes on. Yeah. And we see this every day. Like, I mean, it really oh, every, literally every day. It, we're literally living. It reminds me a lot of the it reminds me a lot of everything we've learned about the manipulation of Facebook algorithms around the election, frankly. A hundred percent. And and like you said earlier, Pizzagate. Yeah. I mean, it's just a more sophisticated version. It's basically it was Infowars before yes, Infowars. Yes. Um, and it was not the first of its type, like moral panics and moral scares like happen you know, with, with historic regularity and, you know, they tend to, again, always end up harming like people seen as the other. Right. Um, so yeah. So this one is like, ah, I thought it would be fun and it turned out to be depressing. (laughs) It is depressing, but we can end it on a high note. Okay. (laughs) And I want everybody to come up with a Dungeons and Dragons character. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Tweet us your Dungeons and Dragons. I want to know what, what your Dungeons okay. and Dragons character would be. Can I just, so for anybody who's listening that had, is unfamiliar, you can literally make your character anything you want. You could base it on anyone, on anything. You can pull stuff from other, other stories, yeah. other fandoms. Yeah. That I know to be true. We're going to have no you can make everyone. I mean, my no requirements. My my Kitsune um, uh, swashbuckler is named Claudette uh, Claudette C L A W D E D D D D E T T E Claudette Colbert. For that's <laughs> hilarious. I mean, I'm just saying, like, use your fandoms and come up with some great names. Yeah, I want to know what everybody's Dungeons and Dragons character would be for us like you don't have to you look can tweet up it to us yeah. you can tweet it to us at cult faves you can email us cult faves podcast at gmail.com um and tell us what your dungeons and dragons character would be also you can find us on facebook instagram twitter at cult faves 
And if you have a cool cult you want us to talk about and like, or you've heard about, um, just shoot us an email at cultfavespodcast at gmail or go to our site, cultfavespodcast.com. Oh, and if you like the podcast, reviews if you like it, are, tell the world. Tell the world. And, rev- and also leave a rating on iTunes. And review. <laughs> and review if you, yes. if you have a moment. It can be short. Say some nice words. Don't just leave five stars, which some of you have been doing, and I appreciate that greatly. But yeah. you could also say nice words and comments we love you and we, maybe even there leave your dungeons and dragons we, character lo- we love you unless you're here to yell at us <laughs> we do we get enough of that <laughs> actually we haven't gotten a lot no of not for this i just mean in general <laughs> oh just in general yeah not for this regular life yes um until then i guess we're signing off and we'll be back next we're week signing off with another we're gonna, i'm gonna go finish drinking some more of my spike seltzer which is the Official drink of our. If you can't find a v- volcanic white, our crone coven, our crone coven, <laughs> our official drink of the crone coven, because you know every cult needs an official drink. Ours is spiked seltzer, <laughs> or or the Zima for today. <laughs> and our official food is pizza. <laughs> oh yeah, it is. <laughs> Well, it's a circle, which right. is practically a pentagram. So don't, so don't commit crimes in Satan's name because it really confuses people. That's my sign off for this week. <laughs> Mine is fuck Geraldo Herrera. <laughs> well, that's such a negative note to end on, like Geraldo. It's really not. Let's put him back I mean, in Al Capone's tomb. Yeah. <laughs> Mine is be like you need the unicorn. Yeah. And transport once a day. I like that. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye. Talk to you next week.